So we are in a series this fall, and the whole point of the series is trying to think about what is Jesus' heart like. Jesus describes his own heart one time in this whole Bible. And so, and how he describes his heart is not what I would have guessed it to be. I would have had a lot of things come to my mind, but his, his statement about his own heart is that he is gentle and humble in heart. He is many other things, and it would take us a long time to, it'll take us eternity to really discover all who he is and what his heart is full of. But at the core, we need to know he is gentle and humble in heart. And so I'm not going to do this every week going through the fall. We're not going to look at all these. But today I want to do a little bit of reviewing of the last few weeks just, just because of, of the direction I think we're going. So Jesus says to people who are tired, stressed out, burnt out, he says, come to me. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. Learn from me. I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart. And then the next week, we saw that when he saw people who were hurting, who were going through rough times, who, were, who didn't have it all together, his response, like at an emotional level, not just like, I'm God, so I'm supposed to be nice, like I just told you to pretend, or not like that. Like right at the center of who he is, he felt compassion. And as he felt compassion, it would move him to action. He would heal people, or he would teach people, or he would feed people. But it came out of this, like, he is so for people that were needing him. Out of his compassion. That's part of his heart. That's at the center of who he is. And then last week, we, we discovered that he went through the highest heavens. Like, he's the son of God, and so, he, of course, he went to heaven. But he's a human being still. Right now, he is still a human being. He got flesh. He got blood. And he, a human being, went through to the highest heavens, to the throne room of God. He's coming back to take people with him someday. But he went all the way up there, and yet, and yet we have this high priest, this person that can go between God and us, that can connect us, who's not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Because he was tempted and tested in every way, just as we are. He knows, he really knows what it's like. He really understands what it's like to be us, to be you. And so we have someone who can get all the way to the highest heavens, but he also comes all the way down because he's gentle and humble in heart, and he brings us together. And so it says we can approach the throne of grace with confidence in our time of need. It's not just when we're pulled up and we're good and we got it all together that we get to go, go be before God, that we can come talk to God. It's literally in our weaknesses, in our mistakes, that he knows we need us, and he will be right there with us. So today's passage, we're really, in this series, just focusing on a verse, or a lot of times just a phrase. I'm going to read the few verses that surround the phrase we're looking at today from John chapter 6, verse 35, where it says, it all looks like Greek to me because I forgot my glasses, but I think I can get it. So it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And here's the phrase for today, And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him 
shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. So the phrase for today is whoever, whoever comes to Jesus, he will never drive away. I don't know Greek, I know how to use some translation tools, but if I understand commentators right about this passage, whoever comes to him, it's like a not not drive you away. But not a double negative in that it cancels it out, but like it emphasizes it. So probably never ever. You come to Jesus, he will never ever drive you away if you come to him. Now here is what's really strange about this passage. And I just thought about this this morning. This this is found in one of the longest chapters in the Bible. There's 70 verses. So this is verse 35 through 40, right in the middle of this long passage about Jesus. Here's what the whole chapter of chapter 6 is. It starts with Jesus feeding the 5,000 through his disciples. They got a few loaves of bread, a few pieces of fish, and somehow they multiply, and they feed the 5,000. And when the people see this, they are like, this is awesome. And so they literally try to force him to become their king right there in that moment. And he kind of, he withdraws. He gets out of it. That night, the disciples get in a boat. They head out on the boat. There's a storm. Jesus walks out on the water, gets in the boat. The storm goes away. They get to the other side. Now, the people who had just seen him do what he did the day before, they find the next morning, like, well, he was here, and now he's gone, and they got in the boat, and we don't know, but we're going to go find him. They get into boats. They go following him. So thinking about this, whoever comes to him, he will never drive away. These people are coming to him. They're like, he's not here, then we're getting in a boat, and we're going to go look for him, and we're going to find him, and they come to him, and then the rest of the chapter is this conversation between these people and Jesus. And in the midst of this conversation, he says this thing, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. When you get to the end of the chapter, most of the people have left. They go away. They aren't with Jesus. Now, that is not what I would expect. Because all I've been thinking about is this phrase. Whoever comes to him, he'll never drive away. Whoever comes to him, he will never drive away. And yet people came to him, and then they went away. How did that work? Why did that happen? And I think that part of it is that they came to him so that he would be what they want him to be, instead of coming to him as he really was, who he really is. They want him to be king. They want him to be in charge. Let us tell you how you can be in charge. Here, we're going to go make you be in charge. That is backwards. Like, no, here's what I need you to do, Jesus. Since we know you could do this, then we want you to keep doing this kind of stuff. Since we know you could do this, we're going to tell you exactly what you want to do. And I think a lot of times we come to Jesus, some of us, we come to Jesus, and we're just so glad that he thinks just like us. I'm so glad Jesus is a Republican, not with those liberals. Or, I'm so glad Jesus doesn't like Trump either. I mean, whatever, take your pick. But like, of course Jesus thinks like me. Of course Jesus is going to do the things I want to do. But we... We make up God, we make up Jesus in our own mind. Of course he wants me to be happy, and so he would never tell me to do something that would make me unhappy. Because I'm sure that God's most important thing in life is that I would be happy. 
And so we come to Jesus with the assumption that he would never tell us to do something that we wouldn't want to do. But then if we come to him as he's revealed to us here, he says, if you love me, you'll obey me. He says, if you want to find your life, you're going to have to lose your life. So if you don't deny yourself, you can't follow me. Yeah, but if I deny myself, I won't be happy. So people came to him, but they came to him saying, you are awesome. You are the, you're the greatest. No one else has done the things you've done. So now here's what I think you should do. Instead of saying like, so who are you? What should I do? So one of the, the reasons I think we don't actually come to him is that when we come to him, we're saying, just reinforce how I already am. I don't need someone to reinforce how I already am in that sense, in that I'm going to do whatever I want. I need someone to tell me what's the best way for me to be. What's the best way for me to live? But there's another reason I think we don't come to him. There's another reason where I think we, we think we're coming to him, and actually it's why I think we stay away from him. And here it is. It's because I don't think he actually wants me to be with him. I mean, he does when I'm doing good. He does if I'm showing up for church. He does when I haven't been as bad as I used to be. He does when I think, well, at least I'm not like them. But then deep down, like, you know, the reality is I've done a lot of bad stuff. There's some stuff I'm doing, and I'm probably still going to do it. And Jesus says to people who've done bad stuff, who are currently doing bad stuff, who don't even think they're going to change doing bad stuff, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't fit in. Nobody likes me. I kind of carry that with me. So Jesus, yeah, I'm sure you love me because you're supposed to. No, 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 no. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So this may feel like I'm contradicting myself. But I think part of it is like we, on one hand, think that Jesus is just going to be like this puffy, do whatever you want, and then we're not really coming to him. But on the other hand, we think if we're going to come to him, we have to get it all together first. We have to be like this person is. We have to get, we have to, we have to finally, we know we could do better. We have to finally do better, and then we can come to him. And he says, no, 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 no. Come to me with your weakness, with your sin, with your screw-ups, with your insecurities. Come to me with your doubt. I don't even know if I believe in you. Well, come to me with your doubts then. And if you come to me, Jesus says, I will never drive you away if you come to me. So I have a, two ideas for how we would live this out today. How do we actually come to him as he really is? Well, I think we need to know what this says about him. And I think the more we can get, not like, I know everything about this, or I, no, no, the more we can get a little bit of this and his heart into us, the more we can really be coming to him. So I heard someone today, or this week, who is talking about, they're an actor. And they had this realization, they're an actor and they also teach some classes at a university. They had this realization that when they act, they have to like really learn lines. 
They have to really know them. They have to say them over and over again until they really know them. It's almost like it becomes part of them. Because it's one thing to memorize something and, like, get it all right. It's another thing to memorize something and be, like, convincing that you're in the emotion, that you are the person you're trying to portray. So, for lack of a better example in my head, if I'm trying to pretend I'm Jesus, if I'm acting as Jesus, then if I have the line, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that's not very convincing. But if I actually know it, if I know blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The more I really know the words, the more I can concentrate on how I'm saying them. Anyway, this is what this guy's saying. He realized he doesn't do that with the Bible. And so he started this practice. It feels like a really weird practice to me. But he started this practice of the things that he, that would jump out at him, he would memorize them and he would write them down. And he would try to come up with two or three or four things a week that he would say to himself over and over again. Some of it from here, some of it like, I got this from the Today Show. Bless you, change me. So he might write that down because he felt like that was really speaking to him. And then what he would do is he would say those two or three or four things to himself all week until he had it down. And then he, he has a few pages, and he will just review those. He says every morning for an hour, he starts his day by just reviewing. These are the really good things. Now, let me give you an example. Here's, here's, his, here's his point. We tend to remember the things we should forget and forget the things we should remember. So, on the drive over here this morning, what do I keep in me? What do I keep in me? Weird Al Yankovic, lyrical genius. He's a lyrical genius. I, I will debate anybody on that. He is a lyrical genius. So, if, why are you always such a fussy young man? You don't, you want you no know, Captain Crunch, you want no Raisin Bran. Don't you know that other kids are starving in Japan? Just eat it. Don't want to argue, I don't want to debate, don't want to hear what kind of foods you hate, just eat it. Right? But then he moved on. Your butt is wide, well mine is too. Just watch your mouth or I'm going to sit on you. The word is out, you better treat me right because I'm the king of cellulite. Ham on, ham on, ham on whole wheat. <laughs> my zippers bust, my buckles break, I'm too much man for you to take. The pavement cracks when I fall down, I got more chins than Chinatown. Well, I've never uh, used a phone booth and I've never seen my toes. When I'm going to the movie, I take up seven rows because I'm fat, I'm fat. I can do this with lots of Weird Al songs. <laughs> this is one of the things that attracted Camille to me. <laughs> actually, actually, I think when I get into my Weird Al mode, it's like she has to remember, like, I took vows. <laughs> so, I got it. I have not listened to those songs, believe it or not. I have not listened to those songs in a long time. I know that in the roar of 84, that's the last time the Detroit Tigers won the World Series, 1984, that the second baseman, Lou Whitaker, led off, followed by the shortstop, Alan Trammell, followed by the right fielder, Kirk Gibson, followed by the, my favorite, the catcher, Lance Parrish. Now, if they were facing a right-handed pitcher, then you're going to see Daryl Evans, the DH, coming in the fifth. But if they're facing the left-handed pitcher, it's going to be Chet Lemon. I can go all the way. I have not thought about this in years. I don't even like baseball now. I mean, it's down the list. I don't hate it, but it's down the list. What do I 
keep in me? What good is that doing to me, for me? It's not bad. But a lot of us can recall all the statistics of our football players because it's fantasy football season. We don't know him. And I don't say that with condemnation. I just say that with like, so maybe if 30 or 40 years from now, if I live that long, then I would like to be able to recall, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle in heart. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, even if you're not a memorizer or that's, that's too long, what if we could just remember little phrases like, I am gentle and humble in heart. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. And what if we just put some of that in? Here's the thing. We don't, we, we're getting bad at remembering things and retrieving things. If I wanted to call my next door neighbor when I was a kid, like seventh, eighth grade, Josh Trutwin, 944-1564. If I want to call my buddies, the Olson brothers, 829-0509. If I want to call my dad at, at work, 941-9047. If I want to call one of my sons right now, I have no idea. I have no, I have no idea what their number is. Like, it's in my phone. So we, we can't retrieve things because we think, well, we always got them anyway. But there, this is what I got from this actor guy, too. There is something about he would do those things, then he would go on a walk just so he could pull them out, just so he could retrieve them. Again, we don't need to know all kinds of stuff. Can you know this fall, at the end of the fall, can you know, for I am gentle and humble in heart. Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Maybe you take it a little longer than that, but I am gentle and humble in heart because when I'm feeling like crap and I feel like I've blown it, my, somewhere deep down here, I think he's the last person that would want to be talking to me right now. And I need to know he is gentle humble in heart. No, that it's the opposite. He has compassion on us. So he moves towards us. He's not unable to sympathize with our weakness. So he moves towards us. I need to know these things because I can hear them from myself talking right now, but I need to know them here. And when it keeps going in here, then I'm able to say it. So one thing to think about is just, I think we don't come to him because we don't really know him. Because we have all kinds of messages coming all the time. What if we take some of the messages that he says, this is who I am, and we learn him, and we say them to ourselves. And it might feel kind of dumb and boring and weird at times. This guy said, it took a few years. Now he loves this. I didn't like coffee when I first started drinking. I just needed some caffeine. Now I love coffee. Because I took it in every day, just a little bit at first. 
The other thing I want to say in coming to him is like praying to him. One of my, one thing I hear often, and I think about this to myself, is like, okay, I'm going to try to pray. I'm going to try to pray for, oh, I better not move that chair. It's going to sit down. Here, I'll sit here. Okay, I'm going to try to pray. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to pray. Okay. God, I need to think about you. I should think about you. Help the people. Help me. And within seconds, squirrel. This. Now, that's good when it's just like squirrel. Sometimes it's like I find myself, I don't know, I'm having a conversation. I'm winning a debate. I'm supposed to be praying. And I'm like, well, you know, you're stupid because that's going to do me. Wow, if they say this, I'm going to say this, 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 this. Well, that's not going to help. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Now, fantasizing about. No, 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 God's supposed to be praying. And I, I think people are like, so I just can't pray. Someone I heard this week said, you're distracted when you pray because you're a human being. We got stuff to do. We got things we're thinking about. We got stuff that happened to us that we're trying to deal with, and we're trying to slow down, and so all this stuff's coming. He said, but if in 10 minutes you get distracted 20 times, you might be coming to Jesus 20 times. It's just, you just keep coming back. You just keep coming back, and every single time, he said, here I am. Every single time. Oh, welcome back. Every, well, that's a totally different way of doing it. I'm just going to keep coming back. And he will meet us there. I, listen, I drove a little bit this week, so I listened to a few different things. One of my favorite writers became a Christian later in life, just recently. And he said, he said, he, he's like way smarter than me. He knows Christianity better than me before he even became a Christian because he's just smart and he reads it all. But he said, like, one of the things that convinced me finally to, is I just meet people. They're just different. They just intentionally lived. They were kind. They were doing things they didn't have to do. And they tended to be, there's these people of faith. Like, there's a lot of people of faith I met who I didn't like at all. But there's these people that would carry something different. I think that's who we are. And that's who we can become more and more. It's slowly over time, we just keep coming to him as he really is. And we can come to him because he is gentle and humble in heart. And we can come to him and learn from him because he's gentle and humble in heart. Now, this didn't dawn on me this morning until this morning either. We're just going to do communion next. We're going to do communion next because it's World Communion Sunday. The, the people in the church world that try to get everybody to get along, because church people tend to fight, say, you know, this is World Communion Sunday. We're all going to do it. And I didn't, we're just going through a book. That's why we're picking out which passage. In this passage that I just read, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats from me, will never be hungry. Whoever drinks from me will never be thirsty. So for those of us who are like, man, 
memorizing stuff. This starts to sound like school. I hate school. We're in a, this is, you know, I don't know about all this heady stuff. Jesus brings it down to this. I'm here. When we eat something, we take something that's outside of us and we put it into us and it becomes part of us. Somehow, mysteriously, Jesus is present in the bread, in the juice, and we take something that's outside of us and we put it into us and he is more with us. I don't know how, but he just keeps it that simple for the people that just like, I like working with my hands. Let's keep it simple. Take and eat. Take and drink. That's how we can come to him. So let me give the instructions first, and then we'll get set up. Here's how we're going to do it. If you believe in Jesus, if you want to come to Jesus, he will never drive you away. So you're welcome to come today. You're welcome to come. How we're going to do it is we'll have four stations. You come in through the middle row, take from the station, and go out that way. You guys in this way and out around. If you aren't gluten-free, we have that option. You just have to say it, but you'd have to come to one of these two stations. Lots of instructions. I think we're, I think we're good. One thing I should say as I'm walking, if we were doing things by the book, the only people that could come here would be members of this church. Because the, the deal is you should be baptized first, that's your entry. That's, you don't have to keep getting baptized. You're baptized first. That's your entry of like, I'm part of this faith community. And then you don't have to keep getting baptized. You keep coming to the table. Now, we're not, we're not legalistic like that. So anyone who wants to come because they believe in Jesus, come. That's totally good. But I'd like to encourage some of you who've never been baptized. Don't skip that step. Talk to us. It's a way to come to him. It's a way that he refreshes and restores and cleanses. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer at one point. The words will be on the screen in case you want to pray along and don't know the words. So Lord's Supper we're about to celebrate is a feast of remembrance, of communion, and of hope. Because Jesus has died, he's risen, and he'll come again. So we pray, send your Holy Spirit upon us, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless may be to us the communion and the body and blood of Christ. Grant that being joined together in him, we may attain to the unity of the faith and grow up in all things into Christ our Lord. And we join with you now, Lord, in, in, in praying the prayer that you taught us to pray, which is our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs>